Hey everyone, Greg Schutz here for readyforthedraft.com. This is the Ready for the Draft podcast. This is a look inside my head, my brain, when it comes to the NFL draft and the NFL draft process. I think uh, you know it, it's been something that's been a passion of mine for quite some time. Uh, anyone who knows me, you know, I've put together mock drafts since my final year at, at USC, so it's been a good 18 years in the making. Uh, ReadyForTheDraft.com getting its inception in uh, 2014, and this is the second season of the Ready for the Draft podcast. I uh, just wanted to kind of break down um, my view on the NFL draft and the prospects leading up to the draft. And you know, why why listen to me? Why why care about what I have to say? Well, you know, I, I talk about the passion, I talk about what I, I it's something that I enjoy. And you know, when you look at the amount of work that I've already put in, we're five weeks into the season. I've watched seventy seven games from beginning to end. 77. And uh, of the 130 FBS programs, I've seen 86 of them play at least one game. And again, my goal is before the end of the season to get all 130 FBS programs in, plus a few of the FCS schools. Um, So I'm well on my way there. Um, But, you know, I want to put in the work. I study uh, study the game. I study the players. I study the team needs there at the NFL level as well. And you know, throughout the season, that's really what I'm taking a look at. I want to see who's who's going to be the diamond in the rough. Who's who diamond in the rough? Who's going to be the best fit for for the NFL? A lot of guys uh, come out and because of the production in college, expected to make that transition. There are certain guys when you watch them play. That you know their their game is going to translate to the next level, and when you look at a guy like Baker Mayfield, here's the thing with him, and I've been saying it from day one, and I've said it in just about every single one of my podcasts. Baker Mayfield, you know he the if John Dorsey wanted to change the losing culture in Cleveland, he had to draft Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield makes his teammates better, and his personality. The way that he plays the game, the passion that you see, you know, the just the joy, um, it's infectious. You know, you saw that at, at Oklahoma, uh, the way that he would run around the field after touchdowns, the way that the team would run through a brick wall for him, and and that's the difference maker. You know, you're looking for guys like that in the draft. You know, you're also looking for guys who can take over games. You know, when I'm talking about looking at somebody who I want to take in the top ten, top five picks, I want to find a guy that teams are going to have to game plan against. You know, whether it's at the quarterback position or if we're talking about defense. And I've been talking about this draft uh, and this draft clicks defense, defense, defense. And, and the thing with it is, is that there are some players at the other positions, especially, you know, a, a quarterback, receiver, offensive tackle, who are going to be taken in the first round, which means there are going to be some defenders who are going to fall down in that draft, especially along that, that uh, you know, up front defensively and really on that, you know, the front seven. There are going to be some guys that teams are going to be able to pick up in the second and third rounds who have first round grades, but, you know, they end up sliding down just because of the depth of those positions in this draft. So I think, you know, defensively, if you're looking for some players to, to upgrade your defense, this is going to be a draft for that. So we're through five weeks of the season. And so I think we now ha- kind of have a, a good feel for uh, who the who the contenders are, who the pretenders are. And in terms of the draft class, I think we have a good feel for who, who could be the guys that are going to be the breakout stars, 
who who can fit in my top five, my top 10, who are going to be the sleepers. We're going to take a look at um, who, you know, who might be flying under the radar, who might be a little overrated. We're going to go ahead and take a look at each of the positions uh, going forward over the next few weeks. This podcast, we're going to take a look at my top quarterbacks, running backs, and receivers, really attacking the skill positions, and, and want to talk about you know my top five, some other names for you to take a look at, and maybe some names that are getting a lot of hype that you know I think we need to kind of pump the brakes on just a little bit. But before we get into um, you know my top fives and taking a look at, at what this draft class is really going to look like, um, I want to talk about what I saw over this last week because uh, there were a lot of games that I got to got to tune in and, and got to watch and uh, got to really uh, take a look at some of these these draft prospects and, and wanted to share what what I was able to see so the first game that I, I was able to watch was was Boston College and, and Temple Chestnut Park um, you know Alumni Stadium BC ended up with the win 45-35 over the Temple Owls and uh, I'll tell you what the guy who had a day was was Zach Allen the defensive end, uh, 6'5", 285 pounds, again in, in 2017, um, had 100 tackles from the defensive end position, very active player, and uh, he was just that against the Owls. Eight tackles, two sacks, four total tackles for loss, um, two pass breakups, a quarterback hurry, uh, you know, a, a forced fumble, just filling up the stat sheets, and that's really what you're going to get when you're looking at Zach Allen. He's in my in my top ten. Obviously, you know he's someone who could could challenge for for a um, a late first. If he ends up falling into round two, that's going to be excellent value um, for for any team that's looking for him. But uh, looking for a, a defensive end. But you know the leverage that he played did a really good job. You know firing off the ball quickly, and then the leverage being able to get underneath the offensive tackle's pad level um, uses his hands very well. Good rip move off the edge. And, uh, you know, able to, to flatten out, get to the quarterback. You know, he would take the right tackle up the field then spin back to the inside to pressure the quarterback who's stepping up in the pocket as well. Um, you know, uses his length very well, reads the quarterback, you know, and times his jumps to get into the passing lane, knock passes down. Um, you know, the burst, like I said, off the edge, that rip, using the hands so well, um, tracking the quarterback, you know, getting downhill on the screen, uh, reading the play. Um, able to 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 make a play on the football there as well, um, you know. To me, Zach, Zach Allen is a guy. His motor never quits, and you always have to know where he is on the field. You know, to me, that that that's the mark of a first rounder. You know, a first round guy is a guy that you have to know where he's on the field at all times. You know, you have that potential, you have the talent, and, and I think that that's what Zach Zach Allen absolutely possesses. So Zach Allen, to me. It was obviously the the top prospect in that game, but there are some other guys that I was keeping an eye on. I wanted to see, you know, uh, what what Chris Lindstrom, the right guard, um, what he was going to be able to do. Six four, three hundred and ten pounds, has experience at tackle, forty one career starts. Um, you know, plays with good leverage. Um, one of the things that uh, you know was that I did notice was that he would lunge a lot of times and miss some of his blocks, you know, miss his hands underneath the pad level. When he was able to fire and, and actually get those hands underneath the pad level, play with leverage, he was able to stand up the defensive tackle, even generate some movement. But if he's lunging, if he's if he's guessing, if he's you know firing out of his stance and 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 not getting low and not being under control, that's where he can get himself into trouble. But Chris Lindstrom is a guy who I think can be um, you know potentially a day two, early day three guy, um, but definitely with the versatility to play 
both tackle and guard that's going to bode well for him. Um, you know, so those those were two of the guys that I really wanted to keep an eye on. Um, you know, other guys to keep uh, to to mention. Um, you know, Aaron Montero, the the left tackle for for BC, six seven, three hundred twenty pounds, a guy who um, has a lot of experience as well, thirty two career starts, someone who. On the edge, you know, he's probably more of a guy who who's a more of a run blocker, someone who I think would probably be best as a right tackle or possibly even kick inside to guard. Um, Tommy Sweeney, the the tight end, 6'5", 260 pounds, um, you know, showing excellent you know blocking ability. I think that's one of the things that you can say for him. They're all these uh, junior tight ends. And when you talk about the junior tight ends, what you really see and what you really you know are, are looking for um, with them is their ability to catch the ball uh, down the football field. But when you, when you talk about Tommy Sweeney, you're getting a guy who um, not only has the good hands on the outside, but he's also a very, very good inline blocker. Um, and then, you know, obviously we can talk about A.J. Dillon, you know, six foot, 245 pounds, just downhill uh, nightmare. Once he gets ahead of steam, um, good luck trying to wrap him up and bring him down. He's just, he's a load to bring down. Um, and he's someone who will be on everybody's radar um, for the 2020 draft. Um, one receiver to keep an eye on, and we'll talk about receivers a little bit more, but Jeff Smith. You know, just week in, week out, a guy who can get vertical um, and and is a is a weapon down the field for for Anthony Brown there in that passing attack for for the the Eagles. Um, but those those were some of the guys that I was keeping an eye on there in that game. Uh, Lucas Dennis um, was called for uh, for targeting in the game. Uh, free safety. Here's one of the things with Lucas Dennis. You know, seven interceptions a season ago showed some really good ball skills. But one of the things that that I've noticed in watching him is that he wants to throw his shoulder into into guys, and uh, you know that's where he got into trouble with that targeting play as well. You know, go in under control, wrap a guy up, don't allow him to get up the field. There were too many times where receivers were bouncing off of off of his. Uh, his tackle attempt, and really it was a, a poor attempt because he's more more or less throwing his shoulder into anything than anything else. Um, Indiana took on Rutgers in Piscataway. Um, you know, 24-17 uh, win there for Indiana. Um, you know, Nick Westbrook, the receiver there for, for Indiana, 6'3", 215 pounds. Good possession receiver there um, for the Hoosiers, someone who might get a, a look uh, late in the draft. Um, the guy that I really wanted to watch though was, was Wes Martin, the, the six, three, 316 pound right guard. I'm sorry, left guard. Wait. Yeah. Left guard. And, uh, you know, for me, when I was watching him, um, you know, 36 career starts, um, someone who was basically, was very, very good in, in terms of generating movement up front, especially in the run game. Excellent drive blocker, uh, plays with very good leverage, good, good out of his stance, um, very good base and pass protection as well. I think he's one of those undersized guards who can end up working his way onto draft boards before long. Um, so he was the guy that I think you know, really stood out to me. Uh, the other guy, uh, Deontay Roberts, 14 tackles for Rutgers. Um, he's their, their inside linebacker, 6'1", 235 pounds. I think he would excel in, in a 3-4 defense at, at an inside linebacker. I think he moves very well. Um, was doing a good job spying the quarterback and then um, reacting as soon as the quarterback got out out of the pocket. Early penetration coming downhill against the run. Um, you know, so Deontay Roberts is, is somebody who I think um, you know could be another guy that's drafted late. Um, Army taking on Buffalo. Uh, 
Army knocking off the the Bulls, forty-two to thirteen, handed the the Bulls their very first loss on the season. Um, the big receiver, or big quarterback Tyree Jackson, um, you know, just ten of twenty-four for one hundred eighty-two yards. Anthony Johnson, the the big receiver, um, didn't play. You know, he's he's bothered by by injury. Um, you know, Khalil Hodge. You know, one of my my top inside linebackers, twenty tackles on the day. Um, you know, uh, just one week after uh, Kenneth Murray of of OU um, with, with twenty eight tackles. You really want to see that from those inside linebackers. Flows very well uh, laterally. You know, improved his lateral quickness, and I think that's one of the things that you're really looking for from those inside linebackers. Khalil Hodge, you know, a tackle machine. And uh, that's really what you're going to get from him. He, he plays all over the football field. You know, he's not going to—he's not very flashy. Not a guy who's going to get a ton of—you uh, um, know—a ton of plays on the football in the passing game. Not a guy who's going to get you a ton of sacks. But uh, he's somebody who's definitely going to be racking up uh, the, the tackles because he is active sideline to sideline. West Virginia, Texas Tech, 42-34 final there for uh, the Mountaineers heading into Lubbock. Alan Bowman uh, going down to injury had a partially collapsed lung. Um, you know, and I, I read that he's out of the hospital now, and they're actually thinking he might be able to to start um, in, in their next game, uh, which is remarkable uh, considering the the hit that he took when he got sandwiched between two players. And we'll talk more about Will Greer, but you know, had another big day. Um, you know, throwing the football for for Virginia. Uh, or West Virginia, you know, and you look at the, at the receivers: David Sills, Gary Jennings, uh, Marcus Sims. You know, they also have T.J. Simmons, Tevin Bush. Um, a, a lot of weapons there on on the perimeter for for the Mountaineers. Um, if that defense can hold up, you know, that's going to be a team that's going to challenge uh, the Sooners for that Big 12 title uh, when it's all said and done. But the number 12 Mountaineers knocking off Texas Tech, uh, you know, who were ranked 25 in the country at the time. Clemson at home taking on Syracuse. Uh, you know Kelly Bryant announced that he was going to transfer, and uh, you know Trevor Lawrence, um, you know with just ten of fifteen for ninety three yards, and then got outside the pocket and uh, took a huge hit along the sideline. Ended up leaving the game. Chase Bryce leading Clemson to to the win uh, over Syracuse. Syracuse was actually up sixteen to seven at the time. And and really battled back and, and Chase Bryce being able to lead him, but you know Clemson, you know they showed some chinks in their armor a, a, a little bit. Uh, that defense was able to to bear down um, when it, when it counted, but uh, offensively, you know it, they really had to rely on their sophomore running back Travis Etienne, uh, two hundred three yards, three touchdowns. He was really the the difference maker for them, ultimately getting that that that, that victory when it was all said and done. Um, because you know Chase Bryce up and down, um, but he did show some good poise coming into that football game. But uh, definitely, you know, Clemson is a team that you're going to have to keep an eye out for uh, going forward. What are they going to? What are they going to look like? What's it going to be? Uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence. You know, he's a true freshman, and you know he played like a true freshman at times. Um, took that big hit. And you know, you look at some of the other uh, the other teams that have the dual quarterbacks. You've got Alabama with Tua uh, Tagovailoa and Jalen Hurts, and you see what you know the dynamic that they have. You also have Jake Fromm and Justin Fields there at Georgia, and a completely different dynamic at, at Clemson. Dabo did allow Kelly Bryant, um, you know, with the uh, the red shirt capability, being able to go ahead and transfer. Um, so you know, I, I respect that. 
Um, but it's one of those things to where, you know, from a football standpoint, it is Trevor Lawrence's team now. But you know, you're putting your hands in a, uh, put your, putting your team in the hands of a true freshman, and uh, you know, I, I just don't know what the future is going to hold for for Clemson this season. Oklahoma, 66-33 win over Baylor. Um, you know, Austin Kendall got the start because Kyler Murray um, overslept, missed the Friday practice, and uh, or was late to the Friday practice. And uh, Kyler Murray sat out the first first series. You know, that's a rule that Lincoln Riley has. If you miss anything or are late to uh, practice or or any classes, then uh, you're going to miss time. And uh, you know, I respect his his decision to go ahead and even take take your starting quarterback. Not even he's um, you know above the the rules there for the team. But uh, Kyler Murray, seventeen to twenty one, uh, four hundred thirty two yards, six touchdown passes. Um, just a dynamic dynamic athlete. You know, there's a reason why he was the number nine overall selection of the Oakland Athletics. Um, being able to make plays both with his arm and his legs and you know, we'll talk about Marquise Hollywood Brown here in a little bit um, when we talk about the receivers. Um, just a dynamic playmaker on the outside, and I'll tell you, you know, he had just four incompletions. Two of them were, were drops by the tight end Grant Calcaterra. Otherwise, Kyler Murray's completion percentage would be even higher. Um, but I do like what what uh, Matt Rule is doing at Baylor, um, doing things the right way. You know, you see that that team. You know, there's a lot of fight um, offensively. They just don't have the horses on defense uh, to keep up with uh, you know the likes of Oklahoma. But I think Matt Rule has that team, that attitude well on its way. Um, TCU getting the win over Iowa State, 17-14. to um, There at, at Amon G. Carter Stadium in, in Fort Worth. Uh, you know, TCU just kind of fought fought through this and, and, uh, and got the W. Iowa State tied the game up. TCU drove down, kicked a field goal uh, to win it in, uh, in the last minute of the game. Um, but, uh, you know, Sean Robinson got bounced, you know, bounced around a little bit. Um, you know, Jalen Rager, you know, a sophomore receiver for them, you know, six receptions um, for, for 67 yards um, was their primary weapon there in the passing game. And uh, Iowa State, you know, we'll talk about David Montgomery, uh, just, you know, uh, another 100-yard performance for, for the Cyclones. And the Cyclones sitting there at 1-3, and three, they're probably the best 1-3 and three football team. You know, they've had to, you know, battle the likes of TCU and Oklahoma um, and, and just barely, you know, ended up on the on the losing end. They've got a lot of talent on the team, you know, defensively. The linebackers, Willie Harvey and, and Marcel Spears, you know, Harvey's a senior. He's a guy that when we talk about linebackers here in the, in the coming weeks, he's somebody who I think can make an NFL team be a special team's ace right off the bat. Somebody who moves very well, very uh, instinctive versus the run in the pass. Um, an underrated guy, in my opinion. And then in the secondary, Brian Peavy is a cornerback who you know can play on the outside. Greg Eisworth, another nine tackle performance. A guy who just plays very well downhill, especially versus you know versus the run. Uh, Stanford, Notre Dame, uh, Notre Dame, you know thirty eight seventeen winners at home. Um, just really battled Stanford and uh, you know Ian Book. Four, four touchdown passes, and I'll tell you what, Miles Boykin, you know, he's another guy that I have to to watch, but he is somebody who is uh, turning himself into a a legitimate pro prospect. You know, big receiver, 6'4", 228 pounds, eleven receptions, one hundred forty four yards, uh, and a touchdown on the day. And of course, the the you know the big performance was out of Jerry Tillery. 
six tackles, four sacks, and then another two quarterback hurries. He was unblockable in there, and he's going up primarily against Nate Herbig, who was the Stanford's top um, offensive uh, offensive lineman. Uh, the right guard is is one of my top offensive guards, and and to this point. He had played very well, you know, from a leverage standpoint, generating movement in the running game, um, you know, in pass protection. That's really where I, I think he, he struggles a little bit, and it showed. You know, Jerry Tillery just beating him off off the ball, you know, violent with, with his hands, and uh, Nate Herbig was really uh, really struggling to to keep him in front. Um, but Notre Dame, you know, number eight in the country, they they continue to move up uh, in the rankings and. That was the best team that they had to play. Notre Dame is going to be favored in every single game going forward. They got Virginia Tech uh, coming up on Saturday. Um, be an interesting game going against uh, the Hokies, but you know the Hokies are a team that I think they're a little too young right now to be able to make that challenge. Uh, Ohio State, Penn State. The whiteout there at Beaver Stadium. Um, anytime you have to go to Happy Valley, it's it's not going to be an easy contest. And uh, you know Ohio State wound up you know twenty seven twenty six pulling out the victory. Um, you know Penn State had all the momentum in this game, and, and it wasn't until the fourth quarter that uh, Urban's uh, Urban's guys finally pulled out the, uh, the W. Trace McSorley, you know what uh, was sixteen to thirty two passing. Uh, for 286 yards and a couple of touchdowns, but it was his his legs, you know, 25 carries, 175 yards. He was dynamic, running the football, and that was really what made a difference. Kept Penn State in the football game. Uh, Dwayne Haskins, um, you know, didn't really push the ball down the field a whole lot. It was mostly throws, um, you know, the, on, on the short short throws. Um, and, uh, you know, the game-winning touchdown actually was thrown to, it was a quick throw to K.J. Hill out on the perimeter, um, really wasn't covered, allowed him to get north and south, and uh, was able to scamper for the t- for the game-winning touchdown. Um, you know, Ohio State, you know, they're a team that, that looks vulnerable. You know, J.K. Dobbins and, and Mike Weber, only 30 yards between the two of them uh, in the first half of that game. That's something that they're going to have to address. And defensively, um, you know, Chase Young, and uh, has stepped up to help replace Nick Bosa, who won't be returning until November. Uh, Draymond Jones, though, heart and soul of that defense to this point, and uh, you know a guy who put constant pressure uh, on the quarterback. But I mentioned Chase Young, the sophomore, uh, six tackles, two sacks, three tackles for loss. Um, someone who's gonna you have to you have to know that name because he's somebody who I think um, in, in the next year is going to be a pro prospect himself. Oregon and Cal, we're going to talk about the top quarterback in the country, in my opinion, Justin Herbert, um, in just a little bit. Uh, the Ducks getting the W, 42-24, knocking off the 24-ranked Bears um, in their uh, home stadium there, Memorial Stadium there in Berkeley. Um, Justin Herbert, you know, 16-22, 228 yards, two touchdowns, um, another 31 yards on the ground. Uh, Dylan Mitchell going over 100 yards again, seven receptions, 106 yards and a touchdown. And uh, you know they're they're a team that that can be very explosive on um, you know uh, on offense. CJ Verdell running the football, and then you know defensively the the athletes, you know especially the guys that can get after the quarterback. Jalen Jelks, Justin Hollins, uh, Troy Die, uh, Troy Die with ten tackles, uh, one and a half for loss, getting after the quarterback as well. Um, you know Ugo uh, Amadi, Ugo Chukwu Amadi. Uh, two interceptions in the game, um, and then also you know 
just making plays on the football. You know, he's somebody who is is a little undersized, playing safety, um, you know, converted cornerback, but a guy who, you know, is still able to cover cover guys out of the slot. And, uh, you know, I thought he was someone who definitely stepped up in the secondary for the Ducks. And then finally, my Trojans, USC going into Tucson, getting the W, 24-20 over the Wildcats. USC was up 17-0 at the half, and then early in the third quarter, uh, Aka Cedric Ware busted a big run uh, for touchdown. They go up 24-0, and then ended up having to survive 24-20. Khalil Tate just does not look like his his, uh, usual self, having to battle through an an ankle injury. um, it It was kind of sad to see, because he was really having a hard time putting pressure on that foot. And uh, you know, just really, you know, turned himself really relegated into a, a pocket passer. There were a lot of times where he wanted to get out on on the move, and just could not get up the field. And uh, USC, look, you know, the they they had over 240 yards on the ground, and, and that's a huge improvement over some of the games that we, that we've seen earlier in the year, especially against Stanford and Texas. Um, really able to establish the run, Aka Cedric Ware. Um, sat out at, well, you know, didn't see much time uh, the last two games, but you know, 27 carries, 173 yards, two touchdowns, really got himself going. Toa Lobendon, this was his best game yet, pulling and, and making blocks out there on the perimeter on a consistent basis. Still had some problems with snap, uh, low snaps with JT JT Daniels, um, but here's the deal: when you're looking at at USC, the lack of discipline, you know, at a program like that just baffles me. When you're talking about you know 18 penalties, you know they have more penalties than JT Daniels had completions. 18 penalties to 16 completions, and then you know JT Daniels was happening to throw for 197 yards. Well, they had 169 penalty yards, so they nearly had as many penalty yards as they had passing yards. That is unacceptable. You can't have that happen. And you know that's something when you talk about discipline, when you talk about that that level of play, that has to go back to coaching at some point. You know, with that that discipline, what is Clay Hilton going to do going forward to to eliminate those penalties? He's got to buy this week. Hopefully, they take advantage of that because they still have a chance to take uh, um, you know, to take out the the Pac-12 South and and, and get that crown and, and go into the uh, the Pac-12 championship and and take on you know uh, whether it's Stanford or Oregon or Washington, um, but they really have to get get things taken care of there at home in order for them to really change uh change the culture there they're three and two now they have the buy let's get healthy let's get right uh mentally and see what they can do when they come out uh the following week so that's what i saw over this last week enjoyed the games that uh that took place and uh i think now it's time to go ahead and take a look at my top five, my top five quarterbacks, top five running backs, and top five receivers so far for this draft. You know, it'll be interesting to see as we go through this draft process how much these uh, these rankings change. Um, looking at the quarterback position, number one quarterback, Justin Herbert, 6'6", 230, 240 pounds, somewhere around there. He's put on 20, 20 pounds um, and, and you really see that. You see the strength, um, especially when he's running the football. Um, you know what, what I think what's what's remarkable is is he has the speed on the outside uh, to go with some of that power. 
but if you'll remember Justin Herbert, um, you know the QB rating as a sophomore over 167. You know, played in just eight games due to the the, the, the collarbone injury that he had uh, against Cal. Um, as a true freshman, first first true freshman to start at Oregon since 1983. Um, you know, and in the second game as a as a starter, he tied the school record with six touchdown passes, and then the next week accounted for a school record 512 total yards. Also tied Bill Musgrave's record for passing yards um, from from 1989 with 489 in that game. 12 touchdowns in three games equals the mark set by Joey Harrington in 2000, Marcus Mariota in 2012. So what has he been doing in, in 2018? Oh, I don't know. Let's, let's see what, 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 what he's done. And my computer is just locked up on me. Come on. Well, I thought that was what we're going to be taking a look at, but Internet is not working. So that's what we run into here. But what I can tell you in terms of what Justin Herbert has been able to do is, you know, the ability, you know, I think what really jumps off whenever you watch Justin Herbert is his command of the offense. I think the the, the poise in the pocket, his ability to feel pressure and feel the rush. I think that's something that definitely jumps off the pay or jumps off the screen when you're watching him play. The 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 ball placement, his ability to um you know to just Put the ball where only his receiver can make a play. And not only that, especially with Dylan Mitchell, being able to put the ball out in front, whether it's on a go route over his outside shoulder or putting the ball low and away, away from a defender, over the middle. Um, you know, He's able to, to make those throws, um, allowing the receivers to, to make plays after the catch. Um, and, and the the anticipation, the ball placement. You know, We talked about the ball placement, but the, the anticipation – you know, receivers are not even out of their breaks, and that ball is being gunned in. You know, if you're a receiver and you've got Justin Herbert throwing you the football, you better make sure your hands are ready. That you're able to get your hands up, and because that ball otherwise is going to hit you right in the face mask. Um, I think that's one of the things that has been so impressive is is that anticipation. That's something that you're going to need at the next level. You know, that's not something that uh, is easily taught. You know, you have that feel. Receivers are coming out of their breaks, making sure that you put that ball on a line to your receiver and he's able to do that also shows the touch to be able to drop the ball in over the corner and in front of the safety um got the internet back up so he's already you know the his first two seasons just played in eight games as a freshman eight games as a sophomore um so he's already through five games 64.7 percent passer um over 1400 yards and uh, 15 touchdowns five interceptions um you know just you know, 65.2% passer for his career. You know, if you've heard me talk, I, I, I talk quite a bit about quarterbacks and being able to complete at least 60% of their passes. You know, if they can't do that at the collegiate level, what makes them think that they're going to be able to do that at uh, at the NFL level? And Justin Herbert has been able to demonstrate that, you know, going into the game against, um, into the game against Stanford, you know, that was one of the big issues was, okay, what is he going to be able to do uh, from an accuracy standpoint? And all he did was complete 78.8% of his passes in that game um, and narrowly came out w- with a victory. They they scored on every single possession of the first half and uh, wound up losing 38-31 in overtime. Justin Herbert, to me, 
um, has all the market, you know, has the, the makeup of a, a number one quarterback and someone who I think is going to be a top five pick. Now, I'm looking at you, New York Giants. Eli Manning, no longer, you know, the, the quarterback that, um, you know, you can look at and say, all right, he's going to be a starter for the next few years. He's getting up there in age. The question is, obviously, uh, Davis Webb is not the answer. That's why Kyle Laletta was drafted. However, you know, you look at the two of them, are they really going to be the long-term answer there in New York? I really think that the guy, you know, you're looking at Justin Herbert, that's got to be the guy that they bring in, that they've got to draft here. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what uh, what Dave Gettleman decides there in uh, in New York. But uh, you know, Justin Herbert, to me, has proven to be a top five pick, and uh, he's my number one quarterback. Number two on my list is Ryan Finley out of NC State, 6'4", 212 pounds. This is a guy who, you know, you look at him and he's definitely a pocket passer. Not a guy who's going to beat you with his leg. He's not like Justin Herbert, Drew Locke, Will, Will Greer, Jarrett Stidham, any of the other quarterbacks. He's a true pocket passer and he's got an underrated arm. Everybody looks at him and says they talk about all these other guys again. Herbert putting the ball on a line, fastballs. Drew Locke, a tremendous arm. Will Greer, same thing. Ryan Finley has an underrated arm. This is a guy who can make the throw uh, from the near hash to the wide side of the field on an outbreaking route 15, 20 yards down the field and put it on a line. And that's something that I think you know, is, is kind of being overlooked when you talk about Ryan Finley because you look at him and you say, you know what, this guy is, an, is, is very efficient. And when you talk about efficient passers, usually you're not thinking about arm strength. You're thinking about, well, that's the efficiency and the accuracy. You know, he's another guy who's just, he's very patient. He allows his receivers to, to get, you know, to come open and, uh, you know, uh, clear the, clear the defender and then puts the ball, you know, on his receiver where they can make a play. Uh, the timing, you know, I, I'm looking at my notes over the games and, and the timing on his slant routes, you know, being able to hit his receiver in stride, put get the ball on his man, allow them to make plays after the catch, uh, you know, touch up the sideline, you know, dropping the ball in, allowing the receiver to go up and make a play on 50-50 balls. Um, got a note here where, you know, he made a, you know, shuffle, shuffle, and then hits the receiver up the seam. Um Goes through his progressions. I talked about him being very comfortable in the offense as well. Um, goes through his, you know, his progressions very easily, um, and and I think that pocket presence as well. You know, feeling the pressure, you know, getting the ball out early before the the receivers out of their break. Um, you know, he he does a good job stepping up and, and moving to his left um, or right to avoid defenders. Um, does a good job just really with subtle movements more than anything else in the pocket. He's not a guy who's going to get out and, and, and beat you with his legs, but uh, he can uh, roll out, you know, square his shoulders, make the throws down the football field. You know, look, you know, this year, you know, when you're talking about him and, and his efficiency as a, as a passer, um, you know, 68, over 68% uh, passing thus far on the season, eight, t- eight touchdowns, just one interception. Um, clearly, when you're looking at his, his QB rating, 156.7. That's the top, um, you know, so far for his his career. You know, he started his his uh, his career at Boise State, played in just seven games for the Broncos before transferring to NC State, um, and, and since then he's been a, a three year starter. And for me, he's he's a guy who just continues to, um, you know, just prove all the doubters wrong. You know, he's, he's, he's a guy, he's a game manager. He's not a guy who's going to win you football games. He has an average arm. He's an average athlete. 
but guess what? He he just continues to produce. He continues to to make plays. And uh, to me, he he's the number two quarterback and someone who should be considered for the first round. Which then takes me to Drew Locke, out of Missouri. You know, Drew Locke. You know, he had uh had some struggles there against uh you know against Georgia, and that's something that he's going to have to battle through. You know, that's something that uh you know really. It, he lost his primary receiver against, um, you know, in, in Emmanuel Hall. He really wasn't wasn't his his normal self, and that was really the the big issue that uh, Drew Lock had um, was being able to get him the football. And with losing that that vertical threat, the guy who was really stretching defenses, when when that happened, you know, he had to rely on his his tight end Albert uh, um, Obu. Uh, Oh, but sorry, Albert O. Um, Okwebunum. I don't know why I couldn't say that. Uh, Owebunum. And, uh, you know, Albert, you know, was, was really that, that go to guy. But, uh, you know, having that vertical threat, being able to, to stretch defenses, that's something that's, that's part of Drew Locke's game. Um, definitely has a quick release. Um, you know, and I, I, one of the things that I, I was looking at with him was the lack of um you know the the consistency as a passer um you know under 60% passer for his career um really under you know right around 55% and uh coming into the season and you know right now 62.7% you know completion 11 touchdowns with just two interceptions in the previous two seasons you know 23 interceptions had to cut down on some of those mistakes and he's been able to do that thus far this season and he's also shown some touch it was one of those things that I, I watched a lot of games uh from Drew Locke and I think he was getting compared a lot to uh Josh Allen you know this year's Josh Allen a guy who can make any type of throw out there on the football field whether he's retreating um moving on the run you know moving forward he's the guy who can make any throw and throw the ball you know 60 70 yards down the field but the thing with it was was he was lacking some touch on his on his footballs um and that was one of the things that you know you could see this season that I think he's really worked on you know some touch up the sideline you know and and the ball placement as well back shoulder throws putting the ball where only his receiver can get it high and outside away from the defender um, you know, does a great job going through his progressions. You know, you see him working from left to right. Um, you know, good eye discipline. You know, I think that's one of the things. You know, I didn't mention it with Herbert or Finley, but uh, that's the same thing with Greer and, and Stidham to an extent. It is these guys all have very good eye discipline. Being able to hold that safety there in the middle if you're going to be making a throw uh, to the outside. Really want to make sure that you have that one-on-one matchup to the outside that the safety's not getting over to make a play over the top. Um, really does a good job. Um, with that, and that's something that you're going to have to have at the next level. You can't be staring down your receivers. You have to make sure that uh, um, you're, you're manipulating that safety a little bit. Um, you know, does a good job dropping the ball over the corner and in front of the safety. Um, you know, just a a, a a quarterback who can make all the throws. You know, whether it's it, it, it's retreating with with pressure in his face and throwing off of his back foot. Or you know, moving on the run to avoid pressure and being able to throw with accuracy, squaring his shoulders to the target and getting the ball down the football field. Um, he's cutting down on the mistakes. Uh, I think one of the big things, if he's going to miss, he's missing high, and uh, you know that's something you know 
he, he needs to needs to work on on that a little bit in terms of you know some of the mechanics you know make sure that he doesn't get too sloppy um, with some of his throws especially when he's under pressure um, and, and really the biggest thing for me I think more than anything else is is the the body language that you saw against Georgia um, they they were struggling to to get some some offense and getting get things generated and you really saw that you saw the frustration out of Drew Locke and I think one of the things that sets Baker Mayfield apart from a lot of the other quarterbacks is you saw you know teams feed off of his energy and, and if you're looking for a quarterback that's going to be the face of your franchise moving forward you can't have a guy who's out there you know showing bad body language um, you know really you know. That that's that's going to uh, fester within a program, and that's really something that you know it's going to rub off on teammates. He's got to work on that. He's got to understand that he is the leader of that 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 program there um, at Mizzou, and you can't let people see that. You can't let people see that frustration, and uh, you know that that's a big concern for me. Um, is he going to be able to lead an NFL franchise? Number four on my list, Will Greer, West Virginia, 6'2", 223 pounds. The, the senior, um, I, here's the deal with Will Greer. He, he, he came to Florida, and obviously you know, everyone knows the story about being um, busted for PEDs, sat out the entire 2016 season and transferred to, to West Virginia and uh, has started the last two seasons. But here's one of the things. I think from a maturity standpoint, I think you can really put to bed you know, any of those issues. You know, he's gotten married. He has a child. So you know, it's one of those things that's been well documented in just about every broadcast that you've ever watched. Uh, West Virginia play. They talk about him taking, you know, treating it as a business. He's got a family to support, and really, you know, taking things, you know, from a mature standpoint. And you see him; he's very comfortable out there, comfortable in the offense, and uh, just knows where to go with the football. Whether it's, you know, he knows where all of his receivers are going to be, um, and he's got a, you know, a, a plethora of receivers to throw to. Uh, but he knows where the checkdown receiver is. He knows that if I'm, I'm moving from, you know, through my progressions left to right, I know where, you know, David Sills is going to be over the middle or I know where, where Greg uh, Gary Jennings is going to be coming over the middle. I know that you know Marcus Sims is running the go route down the sideline and that's going to be the guy that I'm going to be going to. All right, he's covered. I'm coming down here. I'm checking down to to the running back. You know, really good command of the offense. Um, very quick release. Uh, excellent timing, like I said. You know, deep ball accuracy, putting the ball over the shoulder of the receiver, hitting them in stride, allowing them to make plays down the football field. Marcus Sims and T.J. Simmons, the, you know, the uh, beneficiaries of of a lot of those throws um, on those those nine routes up the sideline. Uh, the ball placement, like I said, out in front of the receiver, especially on the slants as well, not just. Uh, you know those 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 go routes, being able to put the ball out in front um, and allow the receivers to make plays on the on the slants and on the posts. You know, the, um, David Sills and Gary Jennings, both weapons coming over the middle and being able to hit them in stride um, is definitely key. Um, you know, some of the back shoulder throws show an excellent touch there and ball placement, putting the ball away from the defender, allowing his receiver to to make a play and really, you know, make sure that they're not taking a big hit from the defenders either. Um, you know, does a good job avoiding the rush, you know, rolling out, making, you know, hitting the receivers um, on the move, accurate um, on the move as well. You know, one of the things he trusts his arm a little bit too much at times, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll try to force the ball into some, some tight windows at times. Um, 
you know, and, and the other thing too is is that you know he does have the eye discipline, like I was saying, but there are times where he was staring down some receivers, and that can get him into trouble. You know, going against some of the top tier defenses. But look, you know, one of the more efficient passers in uh, in all of college football to this point, seventy two point one percent passing, uh, with four, uh, nearly fifteen hundred yards, uh, seventeen touchdowns, and just three interceptions. That QB rating, yeah, it's over two hundred. Um, so definitely very efficient. He's going to be in the Heisman conversation. And as long as West Virginia continues to win, I think he has to be right up there with, with Tua, uh, Tango Vailoa and, uh, really, you know, um, you know, Kyler Murray of, of OU, Dwayne Haskins, you have to mention Will Greer. I think he's going to be in there all the way to the end. Again, as long as West Virginia continues to win football games. And that finally takes me to Jarrett Stidham, who's number five on my list, 6'2", 210-pound junior. Um, he, he's, he's definitely you know, one of the more athletic quarterbacks, you know, a, a guy who does a great job um, rolling out, um, does a good job avoiding the rush as well, you know, keeps his eyes downfield, and uh, the eye discipline does a good job looking off the safety um, on throws up the sideline. But here's the other thing, too, that's really weird about Jarrett Stidham is is that he will look very good on, on one play, and then the next play, um, he'll stare down his receiver and ultimately get himself in trouble and have, have a, a defender pick off a pass. So it's one of those things to where he, he has a few of those plays every single game that leaves you scratching your head and you're just wondering what, you know, what is, is going on here. Um, you know, in terms of his completion percentage, he's down a few points from a season ago. Um, you know, as a, a freshman at Baylor, six, over 68%. Um, you know, as a sophomore at Auburn, 66.5%. He's down to 63.1, uh, just 963 yards per 963 yards passing, five touchdowns, two interceptions. Um, you know, and to me, he, he does a good job at the timing. You know, three-step drop, balls balls out. You know, and, and hitting the receiver. Um, but the pocket presence. You know, I, I think it's inconsistent. I don't think he always feels the rush. Takes some big hits. Um, you know, holds on to the ball too long at times, and that's where he's going to get himself into trouble. You know, he's he's very robotic at times as well. And to me, I think he's of those five quarterbacks that I mentioned. He's going to need the most, the most work and the most polish. He's only a junior, so he could come back. I think it would actually behoove him to come back to Auburn for his senior season. I think that's something where he can kind of shore up and really work on some of those issues that he has um, with his game to this point. So those are my f- top five quarterbacks. When you're looking at uh, you know the rest of my top ten. You know, Nate Stanley out of Iowa, you know, big quarterback, 6'4", 242 pounds. He's only a junior. Uh, another guy who I think would benefit, uh, you know, having another year under his belt. I think he's probably going to come back to the Hawkeyes um, and, and Kirk Ferentz. Uh, you know, Shea Patterson, the transfer from Ole Miss, you know, 6'2", 203 pounds out of Michigan, also a junior. And, and to me, Shea, Shea Patterson... You see some of the flashes. You see what you know the the, the arm talent, the athleticism outside the pocket. Um, you know, as Michigan's offense continues to click um, over the course of the season, you're going to see him continue to develop. But I haven't seen enough that makes me say I I think Shea Patterson should come out. He should be um, back for another season there at Michigan. At, you know, really at this point in the season, uh, Jake Bentley out of South Carolina, six four, two hundred twenty four pounds, another junior who I think would benefit coming back. He was a uh, um, you know reclassified as a you know to be a true freshman there for the Gamecocks. And to me, just from a 
an accuracy standpoint, I think he's someone who is, is very inconsistent with, with his footballs. Um, you know, one play, I think he'll look very, you know, very accurate and, and make plays. And then the, the next, you'll be scratching your head and wondering what he was doing with the football to begin with. Um, so that's something that's definitely a concern for me. Um, you know, he, he is completing 63% of his passes, but you look at the interception, seven touchdowns, six interceptions, that's going to be an issue for me. I think he's going to have to cut down on the mistakes if he's going to want to make that transition to the next level. Um, you know, Clayton Thorson, you know, he, he started all 42 games there for the, for the Wildcats. I don't know if he's come back too soon or not. Um, but he just hasn't really looked himself. He looked, he started the season on fire. They were really playing him, um, kind of keeping him on a pitched count, um, playing with, with TJ Green. Um, but, you know, Clayton, you know, he's just a 60% completion uh, percentage there on the year. Um, you know, 33 interceptions to 40, 47 touchdowns so far in his career as well. Needs to cut down on, on the mistakes and all, all of the issues. Um, so, you know, a lot of question marks there at that quarterback position. Um, you know, a, a lot of guys that have maybe more arm talent than than a few of the other quarterbacks that are actually in this draft class. You know, when you talk about some quarterbacks who are flying under the radar, guys that you really kind of need to pay attention to, how about Brett Rippon out of Boise State? 6'2", 200, uh, 202 pounds. He's completing 70% of his passes this year with 12 touchdowns, zero interceptions, almost 1,400 yards passing for the Boise State Broncos. He's a four-year starter. Um, and a 63% completion percentage, 72 touchdowns, 22 interceptions um, in his career, over 11,000 yards passing. Uh, to me, very efficient. You know, he's just, uh, you know, he's got a good arm, not a great arm, um, but definitely a guy who who can can manage the game. Just very efficient throwing the football. And then another guy that you really have to, you know, take notice of is, is Jake Jake Browning. You know, Jake Browning. I thought was well on his way in 2016. He was the uh, Pac-12 um, Offensive Player of the Year, throwing for uh, over 3,400 yards, uh, 43 touchdowns, and nine interceptions. Um, but over the last two seasons, you know, looking at 2017 and 2018, he already has nine interceptions. You know, on those two years, um, with just 27 touchdowns to this point. Um, you know, and very efficient passer. And the poise in the pocket, um, eye discipline again, very intelligent, um, good but not great arm. But a guy who, to me, you know, if you put him put him under pressure, he's going to make some mistakes. But I, I think overall, someone who I think would benefit, uh, you know, would would definitely be a guy who I I, I could see being a a backup in the league. Uh, but someone who I I think could end up getting drafted late. Um, another guy to keep an eye on. Um, as we go through the rest of the season and into the draft process, is, is Gardner Minshew uh, of Washington State. If the name sounds familiar, it was an East Carolina transfer, 6'2", 220 pounds, came in uh, for the Cougs, and uh, you know one of the things that immediately jumped out was just how comfortable he was in Washington State's offense under Mike Leach. Um, I watched the game against USC. He was very efficient in that game. Um, you know, Even when he was under, pr- under pressure, knew where to go with the football, knew where... Um, his safety valve will be and uh, you know stood in the pocket and under pressure was still able to deliver a, a strike down the football field to me um, you know he's he's a gamer um, he's not the not the best athlete in the world but you know someone who can get the job done you know you could see him you know manipulating the pocket moving around 
And, and I'll tell you what, you know, he, he's when you're talking about a Mike Leach offense, being able to go through your progressions is is critical to, to your success in that offense. I think that was one of the things that you definitely saw from him being able to quickly go through the progressions, um, you know, showed some good touch over the top as well. Um, you know, understood defenses. Hey, there's a blitz that's coming. I'm going to go ahead and uh, throw where that that blitz was. Va- you know, the area where the uh, it was vacated by the blitz. Um, to me, Gardner Minshew, someone who you definitely have to uh, keep an eye on going forward, and a guy where there's a lot of hype around right now is Dwayne Haskins out of Ohio State. Dwayne Haskins um, is a, is a redshirt sophomore, so he is eligible for. Um, for this draft, but here's here's the thing. You know, they talked about in the broadcast against Penn State, um, 27 throws behind the line of scrimmage. You know that offense right now is really predicated on allowing getting the ball into the hands of the playmakers on the outside, the Paris Campbells, the the KJ Hills, um, the running backs, both Dobbins and 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 Weber, and allowing them to make plays. Yes, he's over 70% completion percentage, 19 touchdowns, two interceptions, but Here's the deal, you know, when you're throwing a lot of those those short short and intermediate passes, um, you know, especially you know, most of the passes against Penn State didn't go past 10 yards. You really didn't see him push the football down the field, uh, and when he did, they were incomplete. He was sailing passes. One of the things he was, you know, he seemed to get rattled in the pocket while under pressure. You know, I think that was one of the things he wasn't always setting his feet. You know, with, with those throws. To me, when you look at at him, he's you know he's played in the five games this year. Uh, filled in for JT Barrett, you know, for a time last year, but I, I just don't see him. Um, there, there isn't enough of a body of work for me to really sit there and say that he's a bona fide, um, you know, potential first round pick in this year's draft. You know, give him another year, you know, as a junior there for the Buckeyes. Come back to Columbus. And then we can talk, you know, then I think we're, we're, we're in business, but all this talk about him being a Heisman trophy candidate, look, Baker Mayfield airing the football down the football field to a uh, Tongo Bailoa doing the same thing. And a lot of the things that you also saw from, from Kyler Murray with just, you know, being dynamic, running the ball and, and throwing the football to me, Dwayne Haskins, you know, when you're throwing most of the, most of your passes, you know, 10 yards and fewer, you know, that, that to me, it, it there's there's just not enough to really evaluate when you're talking about him pushing the football down the field, you know. And you talk about well, you know, when he does do it, he's accurate. But uh, again, you know, if you're throwing three, four balls and hey, look, you know, it's accurate down the football field, that's great and all. But are you going to be able to do that on a consistent basis? You know, throwing the football, you know, you're going to have to throw the ball past ten yards at, at the next level, um, you know, more often than than what you're doing there at Ohio State. So to me. Uh, Dwayne Haskins, let's pump the brakes just a little bit um, in terms of, of being the pro prospect right now. I, I'd like to see him come back and, and enter the 2020 draft. So we've talked about the quarterbacks and really now looking at the running back position. And, uh, you know, if you look at it at the top, you know, I, I, I had Bryce Love up there. I'm changing my, my top five. So uh, website hasn't been updated just yet, but... You know, Bryce Love to me is is a special talent. You know, he's 5'10", 202 pounds. Um, you know, twenty uh, over two thousand yards. You know, a season ago, twenty one eighteen to be exact. And uh, you know, the Heisman runner up. You know, when you look at it, you know, 20, 20 carries of of over fifty yards um, on on the season. And 
you know, just such a dynamic playmaker, you know, and he played through the high ankle sprain a season ago and still rushed for over 2,000 yards. Well, guess what? This year, his production has dropped quite a bit, um, you know, only averaging 80 yards a game. And then against Notre Dame, what happens? Another ankle injury. You know, yes, it's kind of a freak, freak injury. His ankle gets tied up behind, uh, behind him. Um, and, and Julian Aquara, when he tackled him, you know, it was kind of, kind of felt awkwardly with that ankle. And so, yes, he goes down to the ankle injury. Yes, it's something that could have been a freak play. But at the same time, you know, you're talking about somebody who, you know, if you're looking at, at Bryce Love and you're saying, all right, this is the guy who is, uh, am I going to want to take him in the first round? Am I going to want to take him in the second round? Durability issues have to be a concern now. He's already missed one game this year against UC Davis. He's questionable against uh, against Utah and you know, ultimately left that game against Notre Dame. And, and really, you know, that that any chance that Stanford had of winning that football game really left the field when Bryce Love had to, had to leave the game. Uh, just 17, 76 carries on the year. You know, we had 263 last season. Just 76 carries, 327 yards, three touchdowns. Um, a season ago at you know 8.1 yards per carry. He's now just averaging 4.3. Uh, never been a, a big receiver. Just 35 catches in his four years there at Stanford to this point. Um, there's just not enough for me right now with Bryce Love. You know, the, the durability concerns. Yes, he's a dynamic playmaker, but if he can't stay healthy, he can't be on the football field. So to me, I've moved Bryce Love down. He's right now he's seeing at number three on my on my draft board at the running back position. And depending on what his health dictates, you know, he may or may not, you know, uh move up, may or may not move down. Um, he's clearly the most explosive back in this draft class when he's healthy. But that's the big question. Is he going to be able to stay healthy? Um, he did add 10 pounds of muscle. You see some of that that lower body strength really uh, on display. Um so far this year. So I think that's one of the things that, you know, um, you know, Bryce Love's going to have to prove that, that he can, um, handle the, the rigors of a 16, 16 game season. And I just don't know that uh, he's going to be able to do that. So who is my number one running back? Well, it's David Montgomery out of, uh, out of Iowa state. And, uh, you know, to me, David Montgomery, just that blend of speed and power, the, the low pad level, you know, he absorbs contact, uh, excellent balance, you know, running between the tackles. And, you know, really I think what sets David Montgomery apart when you watch him run is um, the, the cutback ability, the vision and, and the lateral, lateral movement, being able to put his foot in the ground and make that lateral cut and get to the hole, get down the football field, and then – Again, bouncing off contact, continuing to fall forward. You don't see him pushed back. He's always going to be running behind his pads, moving forward, moving the pile, um, running out of tackles, spinning through tackles, uh, twisting and turning his way to to make you know to generate more movement. Um, you know he's he's playing against uh, Oklahoma State this weekend. You know he's got an arm injury, so not sure if he's going to suit up yet against the the Pokes or not. But uh, you know Montgomery, 82 carries, uh, 334 yards, three touchdowns, 4.1 yards per carry. Um, you know his first two seasons with the Cyclones, uh, 49 uh, receptions, just six so far on the year this year. But uh, to me, you know David Montgomery, just that that. That that ability to see the hole and get to the hole, 
and that lateral the lateral cuts there was one run that uh you know he he pressed the line of scrimmage made that lateral cut and then he made another cut um to bounce the the run outside just that, that ability to move sideways and then and then be able to go ahead and, and hit the hole and, and get north and south in a hurry. And just when you think you've got him bottled up or tackle behind the line of scrimmage, he's still going to find a way to get out of that tackle, drag drag defenders, twist and turn, like I said, and fall forward. Um, so to me, you know, David Montgomery um, right now I think has the best, um, you know, in, in terms of the, the game film, I, I can definitely see him um, you know, really shouldering the load, um, carrying the football at the next level. But if you're talking about somebody who's going to may, you know, maybe challenge him as the number one running back taken in next year's draft, there's a, another junior that you have to, um, have to, you know, have to really be mindful of. And, and that's, that's Benny Snell out of, out of, uh, out of Kentucky you know, back-to-back thousand yard seasons and, and to me he's just a, a dynamic dynamic runner um, out of the backfield I'm trying to get his stats up here Benny Snell Jr. where are you there you are so Benny Snell what can we what can we say about him another guy with the lateral cut um, you know, avoiding three defenders in one game with just one lateral, you know, one or two lateral cuts. He runs through contact, um, you know, the vision to see the hole and then the burst to get through that hole, the lateral agility, um, you know, to, to get to those holes without losing, you know, losing any speed. Um, runs with attitude. That's one of the things that I really like about the running backs is, you know, can you run with with some attitude? Give me some attitude. I want to see somebody, um, you know, be a violent runner, someone who's not afraid uh, afraid of contact, running through contact whenever possible. This is a guy who definitely does that. He embodies that. Um, you know, he does a good job even in pass protection, pick it, pick, uh, picking up the blitz, coming through the A-gap, um, allowing his quarterback to... Uh, to escape the pocket, you see excellent balance. You know, bounces off of tackles, um, able to keep um, keep the the legs going. Powerful leg drive, um, continues to to move up the field. Um, dragged a defender, you know, for six yards against uh, you know Mississippi State, and uh, you know that Mississippi State game. I think we talked about it, um, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, but uh, you know Benny Snell. You know, 25 carries, 165 yards, and, and four touchdowns in that game. Uh, 6.6 yards per carry. Um, you know, three thousand or three 100-yard uh, yard game so far this year. He's also gone over 100 yards against Central Michigan and Florida. Uh, the only other two games where he didn't. Uh, Murray State in a 48 to 10 win, and then against South Carolina last week, still went 28 carries, 99 yards, and a score. Um, Benny Snell, if you look at him, you know, not much of a passer, not much of a, an option in the in the passing game. Um, that's something that I think he's going to have to develop. But just a, a runner who wants to get downhill, but, you know, that, that ability to, to put his foot in the ground, cut on a dime, and then once he does get north and south, he's going to look to run over you um, and uh, has the speed to go the distance as well. Uh, Benny Snell, 5'11", 223 pounds. Um, you know, a, a thousand yard rusher in 2016, over 1300 yards in 2017, um, you know, 32 touchdowns in those two seasons. 
And uh, to me, you know, by the end of the season, you could be talking about Benny Snell as number one running back in this draft class. Um, you know, he's a big reason why, um, you know, Kentucky, when you're looking at them and you're talking about them in the, the national rankings and the national spotlight, now they're 5-0, and and he's a big reason why. And if they're going to beat Texas A&M this weekend, um, you know, they're playing at Kyle Field you know, with the 12th man. If they're going to win that football game, they're going to be riding the back of Benny Snell once again. So we've talked about Montgomery, Snell, and Love as my top three backs. Number three or number four on my list is Justice Hill out of Oklahoma State. You know, he's 5'10, just 190 pounds. So, you know, question mark, can he can he shoulder the load at the next level? Um you know, here, here's here's the deal with with Justice Hill. You know, we talked about you know the the ability to put your foot in the ground and make cuts. You know, this is a guy who was just so sudden. You know, those lateral cuts. You know, not losing any speed, me, being able to cut up the field. Um, just a dynamic runner, over 1,400 yards as a sophomore. After 1,100 yards as a freshman, um, you know, 15 touchdowns a season ago. Already with nearly 600 yards and six touchdowns uh, on this season. Um, he's improved his average yards per carry by, by a total of, of two yards um, at 7.5 uh, this season as well. Uh, 31 receptions a season ago. Um, excellent hands out of the backfield. You know, you see him run with uh, you know good speed to the to the perimeter. Like I said, the cuts uh, up the field. Um, not afraid to lower his shoulder to finish his runs, and uh, you know just very patient as a runner as well. Um, you know that that 190 pounds it makes you worry a little bit, um, but uh, I, I think he's somebody. If you've got a two back set, someone who who can be at least be a change of pace back and and a guy who can catch the ball out of the backfield. Look, Naeem Hines. You look at him at, at, uh, at Indianapolis. He may not be the starter. You know, at, at running back. You know, you've got you know uh, Marlon Mack and you've got Jordan Wilkins there, but Naeem Hines at the end of the day is probably going to be the uh, the best option as a running back, um, and he's more of your change of pace guy. And I think that Justice Hill can carve out that niche as well uh, at the next level. Number five on my list, Miles Gaskin out of Washington. You know when you're you've eclipsed uh, the the mark, um, the the career rushing mark that uh, Napoleon Kaufman set um, at Washington, then I, I think he's somebody who you know you should be talking about in your top five of any category. Um, at, at the running back position, um, you know, five ten, one hundred ninety three pounds. Another guy who's on the smaller side, but uh, you know, three straight seasons over thirteen hundred yards. Um, you know, nineteen touchdowns. I'm sorry. Um, let's see, twenty one touchdowns a season ago. Uh, double digit touchdowns in each of his first three seasons. Forty eight uh, total in his career. Fifty one career receptions as well. Um, someone who had you know excellent vision. I think that's the thing that you know we have with all, all of these backs, um, but just so elusive in, in, in the open field, a guy who, you know, is, um, doesn't lose speed, uh, when, when he's making his cuts, another guy that's able to do that, able to get skinny and, you know, getting through a crease, um, but just so efficient as a runner. And I think that's some, one of those things, you know, he's, he, he's someone who's very consistent, you know, averaging 5.7 yards per carry, um, you know, in his career, someone who just continues to produce, um, regardless of whether or not Washington's having a good year or not. Uh, you know, 2016, you know, had 13, 1,373 yards, but then you see him come back um, as a um, as a junior, 
1,380 yards, so really just a model of consistency. And if, if we want to talk about one final running back, you know, it's going to be Damian Harris out of Alabama. You know, 5'11", 215 pounds, the senior coming back to Alabama, back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. To me, you know, Damian Harris, you know, hasn't really had to do a whole lot because the, the offense is so dynamic uh, with, with Tua throwing the football. Um, but he's someone who shows, you know, the, the leg drive, shows the ability to, to run with power, able to bounce off of contact, um, had one run where he was able to press the line of scrimmage, bounce it to the outside, and ran virtually untouched for a 48-yard touchdown. Um, you know, so that offense is really allowing him to, um, you know, to make some plays uh, moving the football. But uh, to me, I still want to see what, what Damian Harris can do. I, I'm, I'm, you know, if he can get the ball and, and actually carry it for 15, 20 carries, I would really be curious to see what you can see him do with, with the football right now. You know, he's not somebody who, you know, excites me to the point where I want to use a, a second or even third round pick on him. Um, you know, I think he'd be good value in the fourth round, um, really, in terms of what I see right now. Um, you know, the rest of this draft class at the running back position, um, you know, Devin Singletary, you know, Florida Atlantic coming off of a huge season, um, you know, with, you know, uh, with all the yards from, from scrimmage there in, in a Lane Kiffin style offense, um, has really, you know, kind of struggled to get things going, um, you know, for the most part there for, for the, uh, FAU Owls, um, 112 carries already on the season just 459 yards so that's 4.1 yards per carry down um, over two yards per carry so far on the year Um, but uh, already with double digit touchdowns he scored 32 a season ago he's got 12 already um, in in just five games Um, has only caught the pat you know caught four passes but he does have 49 in his his career A, a dynamic dynamic running back you know and it's just one of those things to where the owls um, they're not getting the quarterback play that they need to really um, have a threat on the outside so teams are loading the box against Devin Singletary and basically daring the quarterbacks to beat them um, you know one guy to keep an eye on you know is Daryl Henderson out of out of Memphis you know 5'9 200 pounds um, just an explosive explosive running back um, he, he's a junior um, you know is there is he going to enter the draft? You know, he's not somebody who I, w- I would expect to see enter the draft, but just a name to mention because he, he's already at 70, uh, 760 carries on just, uh, or I'm sorry, 760 yards. That's 11.7 yards per carry, uh, nine touchdowns already on the year, uh, 52 receptions in his career with the, the Memphis Tigers. Um, someone who I think would probably be a 2020 draft pick but if he continues to to put up the yards um you know potentially even rushes for over 2000 he's one of those backs that i could see potentially looking at 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 the nfl and you you see a lot of underclassmen that enter the draft that probably should be coming back for one more season um you know daryl henderson though um you know just one of those guys who i think his his skill set would um you know bode well for him at the next level So that finally takes us to the receiver position, wide receiver. You know, there there are a lot of guys that are there in this wide receiver class that are just big receivers. Nikhil Harry, 6'4", 213 pounds. 
uh, out of Arizona State. Uh, A.J. Brown from uh, Mississippi, 6'1", 230 pounds. Um, Anthony Johnson, 6'2", 208 from Buffalo. Uh, J.G. Arcega-Whiteside, 6'3", 225 pounds from Stanford. Uh, David Sills, 6'4", 210 pounds. Emmanuel Hall, 6'3", 195 pounds. Keelan Doss from UC Davis, 6'3", 209 pounds. You know, the list can go on and on. We're talking about the the wide receiver position. You know, some of the other guys that I have on here, Miles uh, Boykin, 6'4", 228 pounds. Uh, Jamal Custis, 6'5", 213 pounds. Um, you know, just some very big receivers in this draft class. And, and so that's something that if, if there are teams that are going to be looking for um, slot receivers, you know, I think that's where if, if you are a slot receiver, if you're a guy like Marquise, uh, Marquise Brown from Oklahoma, Debo Samuel out of, out of South Carolina, guys that can work primarily out of the slot, you, know, you might see them get drafted higher than you normally would just because of the fact that there are just so many bigger receivers on the outside. Um, although there are some receivers in, in this draft class who have proven to be able to, to make plays out of the slot. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what, what, uh, what this receiver class, um, how everything shakes out. To me, the number one wide receiver is, is Nikhil Harry, and I don't think there's really a contest there. Um, I, I, I think there's some other people that, that beg to differ, but when you watch him out on the football field, he's a man among boys. When he is, is catching the football out on the perimeter, it's so difficult for defensive backs to bring him down. Um, you know that, that physicality with which he runs, um, is is tremendous. You know the guys just aren't able to bring him down, and if he makes you miss on the outside, gets a full head of steam, then then watch out. You know a season ago, um, eleven hundred and forty uh, forty two yards, eight touchdowns. Um, this season, you know thirty one receptions in five games, um, four hundred nineteen yards, five touchdowns. Um, you know a red zone nightmare. Someone that you can just throw the football up to. He's able to high point the football. Um, but, but again, he, he's, you know, and he's very sudden for his size, you know, someone who, um, running the slants, running posts, um, able to, to make, put his foot in the ground and, and make those cuts to create separation easily. And then in the open field, being able to, to make defenders miss in the open field. Um, you know, but you know, the, the huge catch radius, you know, he's 6'4", 213 pounds, like I said, but, you know, very long arms, huge catch radius. All you have to do is put the ball anywhere in his vicinity, and he's going to come down with the football. And that physicality, the physicality that he plays with reminds me a lot of Juju Smith-Schuster. You know, the, people knock Juju for running a 4-6-40. He fell into the second round towards the end of the second round, and you see what he's been able to do for the for the Pittsburgh Steelers. To me, Nikhil Harry should be the number one uh, wide receiver taken in this draft. Which then leads me to Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown out of Oklahoma. You know, 5'10", just 168 pounds. The junior is just so explosive. You know, when you talk about receivers, where is he going to go in the draft? You know, just remember, you know, just uh, a season ago, or just a couple of seasons ago, John Ross was taken um, you know, with the number nine overall pick by the, by the Cincinnati Bengals. So if John Ross is our, you know, he's able to do that, um, just imagine where what you're going to see out of out of Marquise Brown. You know there is that potential that he could be a guy who could climb into the top 15 picks. Um, junior, you know, um, a season ago, 57 catches for just under 1,100 yards. So that's 19.2 yards per catch. Uh, had seven touchdowns a season ago. 
um, already with five on the season, uh, just through four games for the Sooners, you know, 544 yards, um, you know, 22.7 yards per reception, just explosive, explosive receiver, uh, blazing speed, very sudden in the open field. Um, but a, a guy who can get vertical, um, create separation easily off the line. And, uh, you know, he's an improved route runner as well. He's not just a guy who's going to be, um, you know, he's going to get vertical on you. He's also going to be able to, um, you know, to run those routes, be able to, to make you, um, you know, really guess where he's, where he's going to be going. Um, does a good job selling the routes, especially at the top, you know, the, the stem and being able to come off of that. And, uh, you know, like I said, create the separation and, uh, the, the speed, you know, just being able to to get deep, that's going to be his game, much like John Ross. Um, you know, is he going to be able to run that 4-2-40? Um, you know, if he can run that 4-2-2 uh, like, like John Ross, then, uh, you know, then I think Mar- Marquise Brown's going to see his draft stock shoot even higher. But I think he, he's going to end up being a first-round pick because of his ability to stretch defenses both on the outside and in the slot. Number three on my list is A.J. Brown out of Ole Miss, 6'1", 230 pounds, another physical receiver, long arms, um, but you know, uh, definitely a weapon over the middle as well. You know, he's a physical blocker, you know, but he's he's also um, you know a, a baseball player, you know, someone who was drafted in the 19th round by the, the San Diego uh, San Diego Padres. Um, so he's definitely. Uh, an athlete on the outside or definitely an athlete and a dual sport player. Um, 35 receptions for 453 yards, three touchdowns so far on the year. Um, really it was, it was his play a season ago that really uh, shot him up, up everyone's draft board and made everyone take notice. You know, 75 catches, uh, 1,252 yards uh, and 11 touchdowns. Um, I think he's well on his way again, but uh, he may be overshadowed by some of the other receivers um, in that draft. You know, in his uh, receiving core, you know, DK Metcalf. Um, I think he's somebody who's going to get, you know uh, garner a lot of attention. He's a redshirt sophomore, could enter the draft. You also have Demarcus Lodge, um, but I think he's very unselfish. You see him out there making downfield blocks to spring his receivers for extra yards. He's going to do whatever it takes to to help the team. But he definitely, you know, another guy, like I said, long arms, huge catch radius. And, uh, you know, if you hear, <laughs> I, I think, you know, she, she's my, my, my co-host at this point, my, my Silver Lab Figaro. Um, I think just about every week she wants to say hi. Um, usually it's about right around this time that she's starting to look at me and wants, wants more attention uh, from me than I am on the podcast. So, um, you know, Figaro, um, Give me just a few more minutes to get through these receivers, and then uh, you know we'll uh, we'll get you outside and, and we'll play a little bit. So we're looking at the receiver class. Who's number four on my list? Well, Anthony Johnson out of Buffalo. You know, six two, uh, two hundred and seven pounds. When you talk about MAC receivers, um, you know, there's always seems to be one uh, one guy that kind of emerges. And, uh, you know, one of those guys was, was, uh, you know, Corey Davis, we were talking about John Ross and, uh, you know, this year it's, it's Anthony Johnson, you know, Anthony Johnson, um, let's see, you know, a season ago, you know, in his first season with, with the bulls, um, you know, 76 receptions, 
1,356 yards, 14 touchdowns. Um, you know, the, the the leg injury has really been what's bothering him. He's going to play against Central Michigan, um, see how effective he is, you know, in, in just four games, just 18 catches, uh, 308 yards, but, you know, still averaging 17 yards a catch, um, three touchdowns on the year. Um, just, you know, the, the ability to get vertical, the ability to make guys miss, um, the ability to stretch the field. Uh, to me, you know, Anthony Johnson is a guy that people really have to – um, if you don't know who he is, you have to you have to be exposed to, to him. The Buffalo Bulls, yes, Buffalo, you know, had their first loss against Army, but they're a team who I, I think is on the rise because of the fact that you have this guy and, and, and Tyree Jackson delivering the football to him, Ky, uh, Khalil Hodge running the defense. Uh, a season ago, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six games with over 100 yards receiving. Um and uh, two games where he had double-digit receptions, um, had four games with double-digit touchdowns, or um, um, I'm sorry, not double-digit touchdowns, but multiple touchdowns, including four uh, against Ball State, um, but definitely a receiver who can make plays after the catch, and I think he's going to be that sleeper who's going to continue to move up draft boards as we move through the draft process. And number five on my draft board is, is Debo Samuel. You know, six foot, two hundred and ten pounds. Look, you know, Debo Samuel is well on his way to having a huge year a season ago. Had the two kickoff returns for touchdown, and then he gets injured and is out for the season. So obviously, um, you know, very disappointing way to, to end a season a, a, a year ago. Um, had two insane catches. You know, six total touchdowns. Um, you know. That 12-yard 12 12 yard curl against uh, Kentucky, a defender fell back on his ankle and, you know, really, you know, the, the durability concerns, you know, with Debo is, is that's really the big issue. Can he get through a full season this year? Uh, hamstring injuries force him with just five games as a freshman, uh, 10 games as a sophomore, and then the, you know, the... The, the leg injury that took him out for the entire season last year. So durability, definitely can, uh, a huge concern for me with him. Um, but, you know, someone who I think can be dynamic out of the slot, um, which then takes me to just this litany of, of uh, just huge receivers. You know, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside is a guy that I really want to talk to, talk about because you watch him play, you watch his game, and he looks like a basketball player out there. That's really, he knows how to use his body to shield defenders from the ball. It's like he's boxing a guy out and going up for a rebound, you know, for a lot of these 50 50 balls, especially in the end zone. The fade, he's got work to perfection. Uh, 6'3, 225 pounds, just a big receiver, strong hands, uh, nearly 20 yards uh, per reception this year. Um, just a red zone nightmare, like I said. You know, 22 reception or 22 touchdown receptions in his career, uh, including eight already uh, through five games this year. Um, really, all KJ uh, Costello has to do is put the ball up and allow him to go up and get it. Another guy with a huge catch radius. Um, Excellent body control. I think, again, when you think of basketball players and the body control that they have, being able to contort their body to, to pull down rebounds, um, keep their feet in bounds as they're uh, you know, potentially saving a ball. You see that a lot of times with him out on the sideline as well. Um, to me, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside is, is a day-two pick in the draft, um, a guy that you, know, you really shouldn't sleep on. Uh, David Sills, uh, someone who, you know, he, he's someone... Yes, Figaro. I know. I hear you. 
David Sills, you know, he's 6'4", 210 pounds. I think he's, you know, his, his career well-documented, um, you know, was the the quarterback who committed or received a scholarship offer from USC as a, um, as a seventh grader and then came to West Virginia, um, ultimately was playing receiver, went out to, to California to play quarterback, came back to West Virginia, was a Bolitnikoff Award finalist uh, a season ago, uh, 60 receptions, 980 yards, 18 touchdowns. Look, here's the deal with with David Sills. You know, he's very intelligent, uh, a good route runner, knows where to find the voids in the system, in, in the in the um, in the defense. Really a good route runner. I think he understands because of his ability uh, to see defenses differently as a quarterback. He's able to find those voids, understand uh, the route concepts, being able to read uh, defenses. I think that really plays into his advantage. Here's the thing. You know, this season, way too many drops, way too many easy drops. And that's one of the things to me, I can't look at David Sills as a, as a day two pick just yet because of the fact that, you know, look, you've got to be a guy who's, who can attack the ball in the air and be reliable. And that's one of the things for me, is he a guy that every single time I put that ball anywhere in his vicinity, he's going to come down with it. You know, that's one of the things you can talk about with JGR Sega Whiteside. Another guy that you can talk about is, is Miles Boykin. Miles Boykin, 6'4", 228 pounds. Just put the ball anywhere around that guy. You know, whether it's a back shoulder fade, you know, being able to adjust to that football, you can get vertical for a guy his size. Um, when you watch the game um, you know, against Stanford, I think there were four receptions in a row on, on a drive, just being able to take what the defense gives him. You know, if there's off coverage, he was able to, to snap off his route, you know, make a, you know, an out route or um, settle down, you know, with a, with a quick hitch or a stop route. And, uh, you know, to me, I think Miles Boykin has definitely helped himself moving up draft boards. Uh, another receiver that I think is, is a little, uh, um, overrated at this point is, is Jawan Johnson out of Penn State, the junior 6'4", 228 pounds. To me, I think it would it would be beneficial for him to come back for his uh, his senior season there with the Nittany Lions. Had no catches against Kent State. Um, you know, if you're going to be the number one receiver for a program, you've got to make sure that you're making plays out on the um, out on the perimeter. And you know, he also has the issues with the drops. You know, obviously he had that Odell Beckham style catch. Um, against Ohio State, reaching up with one hand, almost reaching kind of behind him, hauling in that 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 pass. But then he drops the easy ones. You know, and those you know you if you're going to be a reliable target, you have to make sure that you're hauling in those passes on a consistent basis. And that's really one of the things that you don't see from Juwan Johnson. Has a case of the drops way too often. So those are my those are my picks right now in terms of of my my draft board. Um, a couple of other receivers to keep an eye on. Um, Emmanuel Hall out of Missouri, 6'3", 195 pounds. He's a vertical threat. Um, can, if he can stay healthy, you know, then I think he and Drew Locke have something cooking there for Missouri. Really want to see if he can get healthy for that Bama game. Um, Keelan Doss out of UC Davis, an FCS guy. You know, he was the uh, um, Walter Payton uh, finalist. Um, uh, a season ago, 6'3", 209 pounds, um, you know, and really had a good game against Stanford, over 100 yards receiving in that one. Um, Jamal Custis, 6'5", 213 pounds, a vertical threat, can stretch defenses from the slot, good body control on back shoulder throws. Um, you know, he just needs to work on those drops. That's really the big thing with some of these receivers. Uh, Sean Poindexter is a 6'5", 218 pounds senior out of uh, Arizona. 
Um, just 22 receptions coming into the season, a former volleyball player, but a guy who can make plays on the outside. I think he's a, he's a solid perimeter player and someone who I think could end up making an NFL roster next season. So the last thing that I'm going to talk about is what to expect, um, you know, looking at, uh, at this weekend. Obviously, you have the Red River rivalry, uh, OU, number seven in the country, taking on, uh, taking on the Texas Longhorns. Uh, Texas now ranked number 19 in the country. You know, that's definitely the one of the games to watch there in the morning. Um, a couple of Big Ten conferences, conference opponents there, uh, Michigan against Maryland, Michigan State against Northwestern. Um, let's see, what else do we have? I mentioned Buffalo. They're taking on Central Michigan. Um Missouri against South Carolina. That's always an interesting game. Missouri's three and one. South Carolina two and two. Um, is Missouri for real? We'll find out in that game. Um, NC State. You really, if you really want to see what Ryan Finley is made of, is he going to be a top prospect? Tune into that game. Watch him take on Zach Allen and that Boston College defense. Um, I think that's going to be a game that I'm going to be interested in watching. Um, LSU and Florida. Um, I think that's going to be a, a big game. LSU with, with Devin White and Greedy Williams on defense. Um, you know, I think offensively with Joe Burrow, what can they do against that um, against Florida? Um, LSU right now ranked number five in the country. Florida is 22. Um, Oklahoma State taking on Iowa State. Like I said, Iowa State I think is the best one in three team in the country. Um, I think they'll actually give Oklahoma State some problems. Oklahoma State having a hard time pushing the ball down the football field. Um, Iowa State has a lot of athletes on defense. Some guys who I think end up making NFL rosters: Jaquan Bailey and uh, you know Willie Harvey. Like I said, Marcel Spears, uh, Greg Eisworth. And, uh, you know, Brian Peavy, Oklahoma State, you know, you're on upset alert. So as we go through the rest of the day, Boise State taking on San Diego State, a battle of three and one uh, opponents there in, in the Mountain West Conference. Um, Iowa and Minnesota, battle of, you know, three and one teams there. Kirk Ferentz against uh, P.J. Fleck and Row the Boat. Um, Ohio State taking on Indiana, a surprise four and one team. Colorado. You know, a, a team that p- team, uh, people should not sleep on. 21 in the country. Um, you know, Steven Montez, the junior uh, uh, quarterback. And then he's got the sophomore dynamic receiver, LaVisca Chenault. He's the guy, a name to remember for next year's draft. Um, a playmaker there on the outside. Um, Old Dominion. You know, they're one in four, but big win against Virginia, uh, Virginia Tech. Can they carry that momentum in against Florida Atlantic? Uh, I just, you know, I mentioned earlier, Kentucky, uh, you know, ranked number 13 in the country, taking on Texas A&M. Uh, it'll be the Benny Snell show there, taking on Kellen Mond. Uh, Josh Allen, the, the linebacker who's playing at defensive end. Can he get after the quarterback, affect Kellen Mond um, consistently? Um, let's see, what else do we have? Auburn taking on Miss, uh, Mississippi State. Will Jarrett uh, Stidham be able to hang um, with with Montez Sweat and Jeffrey Simmons, the, here's the the thing that Auburn defense, uh, especially you know Derek Brown, uh, Deshaun Deshaun Davis, um, you know and and uh, Dontavious Russell, can they um, you know put can Nick Fitzgerald do anything against that defense? That's going to be the big question. Um, let's see what else do we have? Um, Notre Dame taking on Virginia Tech. You know, number six Irish taking on the 24-ranked Hokies. Um, that's going to be in Blacksburg, so Lane Stadium, uh, Bud Foster's defense. You know, that's something that uh, is going to be fun to watch there at night. 
um, as is uh, Utah taking on Stanford, uh, 4-1 Stanford Cardinal, number 14 in the country. Um, are they going to be able to bounce back there against the Utes? Um, so those those are some of the games to keep an eye on. Hey, you know what? Hawaii's 5-1. You know, they're taking on, on Wyoming. Uh, Wyoming just can't get a whole lot done offensively, um, but they do have those pro prospects on defense. So it would be interesting to see what Wyoming can do um, defensively against that, that high-powered attack there from, from Hawaii offensively. Um, so that's what, it, what you can expect going forward with um, Week 6. Can't believe we're already through five full weeks of the college football season. All of September is in the books. This is when the fun really starts, um, you know, for for everyone, because we're getting into conference play. Things are really starting to take shape. Before long, we'll be talking about uh, the playoff and the committee and uh, who's going to be in the in the top of the ranking. Um, who are going to be the four that are going to be in? Who are going to be the next two that are after that? Who are the teams that are going to be in the in the New Year's Six Bowls? Um, but first things first, let's go ahead and get through the first week of, of October, and then we can kind of take things from there. Also, what to expect on next week's podcast. We're going to take a look at the tight end position, and uh, you know we'll, we'll get into the trenches. We'll take a look offensively along the offensive line, and... Uh, you know, we'll start talking about the, the the defense. You know, when you talk about the defensive line, obviously Nick Bosa, Rashawn Gary, Cleland Farrell, Montez Sweat, Zach Allen. You know, there are five uh, defensive ends who are definitely going to be first round selections. Uh, defensive tackle, man. You know, there's just so many guys here. Uh, Ed Oliver, Draymond Jones, Jerry Tillery. Uh, you know, Dexter Lawrence, Jeffrey Simmons, Derek Brown. Christian Wilkins, Raquan Davis, Ricky Walker. Not all of those guys are going to be taken in round number one. A couple of those guys will probably fall to round two. And, and if that's the case, again, uh, someone's going to be getting a steal um, at, you know, when, when you're at the end of the day. And then from there, obviously, the linebacker positions. Josh Allen from Kentucky um, is leading the way there. But you've got O'Shane Zimenez, um, DeAndre Walker, Porter Gustin, obviously, you know, Chase Winovich, a guy who could potentially sneak into the first round um, the way that he's been playing. To me, he's actually been outplaying, uh, you know, Rashawn Gary there up front for the for the Wolverines. And then at inside linebacker, Devin White uh, could be this year's Roquan, uh, Roquan Smith in the draft. Um, you know, Mac Wilson, uh, Tavon Coney, TJ Edwards, uh, Khalil Hodge, um, you know, Ty Summers, you know, a guy from TCU that we'll be talking about. Um, you know, there's... You know, it's a very underrated um, position you know, there at inside linebacker. So, you know, whether you're you're listening to the Ready for the Draft podcast, um, you know, on, on Apple iTunes or you know iHeartRadio, uh, Google Play, uh, Stitcher, you know, I, I'm glad that you were able to tune in with me. Thank you for uh, for listening, and uh, man, enjoy another week of college football because I know I will. Follow me on Twitter at Greg Shoots. And until, until next time, you know, hope everybody has a good weekend. And I will talk um, talk again next week. Um, you know, same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, everyone, take care. This is Greg Shoots, and I am out of here.